welcome to Faith of Our Fathers. Today, we feature Donald Gray Barnhouse. He pastored the 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania from 1927 until his death in 1960. Barnhouse was a pioneer in preaching over the radio. His program was known as the Bible Study Hour. Today, Dr. Barnhouse presents a sermon on Mark chapter 7, verses 14 through 24. according to Mark, Mark chapter 7. And I want you to look, if you will, in the middle of that chapter at the point where we left off yesterday, or last Sunday rather, beginning with verse 14. The Lord Jesus, as we saw last Sunday, was very hard on the Pharisees and Sadducees because of their religious con conformity. I believe that God hates conformity. He does not want men to be conformed to anything except to the Lord Jesus Christ. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, that we might be conformed to the image of his Son. But not God wants the Christian life to develop in many different directions. He wants every culture to be reached and transformed little by little by the individual life and work of the Christian. I want to read, beginning with this verse, I want to read uh, in Phillips' translation. Phillips is a rector in the Church of England just outside of London who's a great Greek scholar and whose gospels and letters to young churches have been so blessed in modern language. Then Jesus called the crowd close to him again and spoke to them. Listen to me now, all of you, and understand this. There is nothing outside a man which can enter into him and make him common. It's the things which go out of a man that make him common. Later, when he had gone indoors away from the crowd, his disciples asked him about this parable. Oh, are you as dull as they are, he said. Can't you see that anything that goes into a man from outside cannot make him common or unclean? You see, it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and passes out of the body altogether so that all food is clean enough. But he went on, whatever comes out of a man, that is what makes a man common or unclean. For it is from inside, from men's hearts and minds that evil thoughts arise, lust, theft murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evil things come from inside a man and make him unclean. This is one of the most important paragraphs in Jesus' entire teaching, for it absolutely turns upside down some of the common theology that is fostered by the devil. For the devil even wants men to believe that he's responsible for human sin. Because if the devil can make you think that he's responsible for human sin, then man says, well, after all, what can I do? I'm just a little amateur and he's in the big leagues. And I can't fight against him. I might as well roll over. Well, the Bible teaches us that human sin does not come from the devil. And that's one of the most important truths that anybody ever has to learn. 
course, someone says, the devil tempted Adam. He did not. The devil tempted Eve. And if you turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 14, it says, the man was first formed and then the woman. And the man was not deceived. There you have it spelled out for you in simplicity. The man was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. That's why it's only in the funny papers that you ever hear Eve blamed for original sin. In the Bible, it's Adam. As in Adam all died, by one man sin entered. For Adam's sin was what theologians would call a de novo transaction. That it is, there was no connection between Adam's rebellion and the devil's rebellion. They were alike. The devil had been given a free will, and the devil said, I will. Now man was given a free will, and he too said, I will. But he was not deceived. He did it with his eyes wide open. He walked up to that tree. Eve had been deceived. She thought she was doing a good thing. If the temptation took place at 10 o'clock in the morning and Adam didn't come home till noon, Eve was jumping up and down with delight at her bargain that she had secured. Adam is going to be proud of me. I did it all by my little bitsy self. I did it. Adam is going to have a raise. We're all going to have a college education for the children. Adam, Adam, we shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. <laughs> and Adam, in that moment, not deceived at all, knowing very well that she had done wrong, said, God Almighty, here is the symbol of dependence, and I hate this symbol of dependence. I will. Well, someone says, where did that come from? Well, it was the exercise of will, because after all, there can be a perfect being who exercises his will against God's will, for then there are two wills. It's the same as the very important verse in Ezekiel 28 that gives us the origin of sin. For in Ezekiel chapter 28, it speaks of Lucifer who became Satan. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created until iniquity was found in thee. And sin entered this universe in the first place by spontaneous generation in the heart of a being who was created very high and who should have said, O God, thou art all and I take all my wisdom and knowledge from thee. And here is the creation that thou hast put under my guidance, and I take all of their worship to thee. But Lucifer sinned by taking a percentage and saying, I want some credit. And saying, God, I'm so bright and beautiful, I can do things without thee. I can do it from myself. And here is the greatest sin. Here is the source of all sin. I will, now says the Lord. Get it very straight. Sin does not come from the devil. It comes from man's heart. That's what Jesus is teaching here. I taught this. I remember preaching along this line from Romans 26 or 7 years ago in this very pulpit. And when I had finished, there was a woman that came to a friend and said, this was a very disturbing sermon because the devil has been such a comfort to me. Well, believe me, God never meant the devil to be a comfort to anybody. What she was meaning was she looked around and saw evil in the world and said, well, after all, the devil, what can we do about it? The devil, the devil, the devil. But the devil is not to be a comfort for you. The source of sin and evil and misery in this world is not the devil. The source is man. 
Some of you have heard me tell the story of little Mary. Her mother said, Mary, why did you let the devil put it in your heart to pull brother's hair and kick his shins? Well, she said, Mother, maybe the devil did put it in my heart to pull his hair, but kicking his shins was my own idea. Now, that's sound theology. That's very sound theology. Except the fact that it was wrong when she said, maybe the devil put it in my heart to pull his hair because she, the devil didn't. It was still her own idea. Both halves were her own idea. Sin originates in man's heart. Sin comes from man's heart, not from the devil. Well, someone says, what about the devil tempting you? The devil tempted me. The devil tempted. Yes. But it did not originate in him. He merely tries to make of you an lie. He's merely trying to say to you, oh, come walk this way and let me be the leader. And in fact, one of the things that's most wrong with a turbulent world is that men won't even walk with the devil. Because if all men would say, yes, devil, we will follow you, the devil would immediately organize them into a lovely United Nations with no veto. Everybody would be peace, peace on earth to men of ill will. And the devil could say, see, God, I did it. After all, I've organized the human race. And there would be peace and loveliness and kindness and goodness and prosperity for all. And the devil would do that immediately if all men would follow him, but all men will not follow him. Because there was God's will, the only right will, and the devil said, I will. And man says, so will I. I will. Yes, but the devil says, my will. No, I don't want your will, devil. I want my will. Then there was Adam's will, and then there was Eve's will, and Adam and Eve's will probably fought that at least Adam's sons and Eve's daughters sometimes fight, right in the middle of the home. My will, my will! And then there were two billion wills. And these two billion wills, what's wrong with the world? You see, what is wrong with the world is the will of man, and what is wrong with the uh, United States is human will. If you could get the National Association of Manufacturers and uh, the trade unions to only have one will where there'd be no more labor troubles. If you could get Senator Eastland and the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People to have one will, then there'd be no more desegregation problem. The whole trouble is there's more than one will. And that's the trouble in the country, that's the trouble in the state, that's the trouble in local governments, that's the tr trouble in churches, that's the trouble in homes, between husband, wife, and children. Oh, daddy, you're an old fogey. Everybody's doing it this way. I want my will. And every generation has to learn it. And you parents say, I don't know what's the matter with those children. I didn't teach them that way. Nor did your parents teach you the way you went when you were 16. I will. I will. I will. And Adam's revolution is reproduced in every generation. And the redemption has to be presented to every generation and men have to understand that God Almighty wants to bless and wants to bless but he has to bless in his way because God can never stoop to man's way because God knows that man's way is always wrong and that his way is always right. Now when we understand this we can understand what the Lord Jesus is, is trying to teach his disciples it's not religious form and ceremony. He began this by simply not allowing his disciples to participate in the formalism of washing of hands. And then he went on fundamentally back to the reason. Don't think that it's 
the fact that you eat um, beef rather than fish on Friday that can make any difference. You're not clean or unclean or common because of the nature of the food you put in your mouth, because that is only a, a physical act. The digestive process will take care of it and it will be eliminated, and that's not making you clean or unclean. But what comes from the heart, ah, uh, that's the thing that will cause you trouble in 10 million directions, unless your heart and will and mind are yielded over to the Lord. For this, what this is telling us is that the sin of the flesh is the source of sin. Now, lest we misunderstand, we must understand that not all temptations arise from the flesh. There are temptations that come from the devil. And there are temptations that come from the world, and they are quite different. I forget whether in recent years I have spoken here, it would have been on a Sunday night if I had, if I have spoken here on the nature of the three different types of temptation, I use an illustration that at Miami Beach during the war, this didn't happen, but let me create the whole incident out of nothing as an illustration. Suppose that at Miami Beach during the war when the United States had taken over all the hotels for the cadet training of Air Force, suddenly there had been a great explosion. And 15 minutes later, the FBI are blocking every bridge, and we say, what are you doing? Well, there's been an explosion, and we're looking for saboteurs, saboteurs, saboteurs. And somebody comes up and says, well, look, Mr. FBI man, you know, that wasn't a saboteur explosion. A German submarine out at sea shot in a great explosive shell. Submarine, get the Navy. You can't chase the Navy. You can't chase a submarine with FBI automobiles. Get the Navy. And if somebody comes along a little while later and says, oh, but Mr. FBI and Mr. Admiral, it's not a submarine and it's not a saboteur. They, the Germans have converted a freighter to a little baby flat top and they've got an airplane and they dropped in a bomb and that was from a bomb from an airplane. Bomb. Get the airplanes. You have to chase airplanes with airplanes. You can't chase a saboteur up a back alley with an airplane. And you can't chase a submarine with the FBI. For the saboteurs, it takes the FBI. For the Navy, it takes the Navy. For the airplanes, it takes airplanes. Three temptations, three techniques. Three, three explosions, three techniques. And in the same way, the world, the flesh, and the devil are three totally different types of temptation. And if you ever use a technique of meeting a temptation from the devil with the technique that God has given you for meeting a temptation of the flesh, you're licked before you start, and vice versa. There must be this understanding of the difference in the source of temptation. I remember a story years ago, a man came to be pastor of a church, and an elderly lady came to call on him shortly after he was installed as pastor. She was undoubtedly a nice, well-meaning person, but she smoothed down her ruffles and said, Pastor, I think you ought to know certain things about some members of this church. Now, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so, they are very worldly. And the pastor said, had known her and known what to expect, known of her and known what to expect, said, you know, I think you're quite mistaken. These people aren't worldly at all. I haven't been into many homes, but I have been at dinner in their home and spent an evening there. Oh, but they're very worldly. She smokes. And the pastor said, well, that's not worldliness. Oh, yes, no, he said, that's not worldliness at all. They serve cocktails, but that's not worldliness. Oh, well, yes, he said, not at all. He says, that's the flesh. The flesh, sins of the flesh. That's, but you see, 
The sins of the flesh must be met by one technique. Run away! The Bible says flee also youthful lusts. Flee youthful lusts. Flee. It's quite biblical to say he who fights and runs away will live to fight another day. And if you have a temptation that comes from the flesh, God says flee. If you have a temptation to be an alcoholic, don't go where it's served. Run away. If you meet an old friend on the street, Joe, glad to see you. Come on in and have a drink. I'm on the water wagon. We'll come in and have a ginger ale. Famous last words. The fourth one will be spiked. Run away. Run away. Run away. That's what the Bible says. Now, may I say a word to men? I'd like the women to close their ears on this entirely. I don't want the women to listen. Men, I can give you another illustration. If you're tempted emotionally... Remember this fact, men, that God has given you a wife and a woman has a built-in radar system to detect the approach of any woman that might disturb her home. That's the reason why women generally do not like women. Because they know this. They know and are able to understand immediately. But listen to me, men. I'm still talking to men only. If your wife ever says to you, Joe, be careful of Mrs. So-and-so. Brother Joe, don't you even discuss Sunday school lessons with that woman over the back of a church pew. Run away. This is what the Bible says. It's a temptation of the flesh. Run away. Don't think, well, I can overcome this temptation. You can't. Martin Luther wrote it into the hymn, Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? And that's absolutely true. The Lord Jesus Christ alone can help you to meet the temptations that are of the flesh, and the flesh must be crucified, and you must run away. But now a temptation from the devil, this is where you don't run away. You stand up and fight. It says in James 4, 7, Submit yourself therefore to the Lord, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Well, what's a temptation from the devil? Well, a temptation from the devil is the temptation to say, well, God is love, all is good, uh, fatherhood of God and brotherhood of man. The, some churches have a theology of mother, home, and country. And that's about all you ever hear. And God hates it. The temptation of the devil is to believe in the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. Now, there are two families and two fatherhoods. All those who are born again through faith in Christ are brothers. If you have a group here and they are unbelievers, they are also brothers in Satan. But these are not brothers to these. I am not the brother of an unsaved man. I am not the brother of an unregenerate. Now, I'm his neighbor. If the floods take away his barns, I'll give to the Red Cross. If he needs a blood transfusion, he can have a pint of mine if it's the right uh, type. I'm his neighbor, I'll help him, I'll do anything for him. If thine enemy hungry, feed him, this I'll do. But he's not my brother until he has believed in Jesus Christ and passed out of death and into life. Now it's the devil that tempts people, you see, to have these false religious ideas. The devil. The temptations from Satan are all religious temptations. The devil is never tempting a good man to be bad and a bad man to be worse. The devil is tempting men to be good in their own sight, to be self-righteous, to think that they do not need the Savior. Your character is good enough. That's Satan. God would never send anybody to hell. That's the devil. He said it to Eve. Is the Bible true? Yea, hath God said, is what the devil said to Eve. Satan's temptations are religious. 
Now our great text here, this paragraph says, the temptations of the flesh, this is what's wrong with men. And this can be overcome only by the entering in of the Lord Jesus Christ who becomes the new life in place of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and the two are contrary. I told you the story of the woman who came in and said, Mrs. So-and-so is worldly, Mrs. So-and-so, they are worldly, they are worldly, when they were merely fleshly. And the pastor turned to her and said, they're not worldly at all, they're fleshly. As far as I can tell, you are the most worldly person in this church. I? Worldly? I don't dance, play cards, go to the movie, drink, smoke, swear, use cosmetics. She had a list as long as her arm of things she didn't do. But he says, you're the most worldly person in this church. Well, what was worldliness? Well, being proud of all the things she didn't do. And then he went on to say, this church used to have circle A, circle B, circle C, circle D. They used to have 10 circles of women meeting all over. And they used to get 15 in each circle, 10 circles, 150 women. Well, why did they all stop in going back to having only 50 at the church instead of 150? Well, I'll tell you, madam, he said, you see, you never had any children. And you had more money to spend. And the other girls couldn't keep up with you. And when the circle met in their home, they couldn't have anything like you had. You put on the dog. And you said, oh, yes, you enjoy this linen. We got it at Madeira on our Mediterranean trip. Oh, yes, that's the portrait of my husband's great-grandfather. We're daughters of the American Revolution, we are. That's worldliness. Now, don't misunderstand. If you have a nice great-grandfather, you don't change him by being saved. But you just aren't proud of him. You recognize that he came from Adam. And you can be legitimately proud and, of, and thank God that he's given you good, clean ancestors and the rest. But you don't trust in them. You see, and the world, being worldly, is wanting to be, to have, to appear, to dominate, to want the credit for something. You're never more like the devil than when you want to be recognized and have the credit for doing something. And you're never more like the Lord Jesus Christ than when you say, I want to get the work done and it doesn't make any difference who's chairman. To allow the Lord Jesus to be exalted. This is what God wants. And for you want to be, to appear, to have, the man who will not give unless there's a brass plaque saying, this is given by so-and-so. This is the temptation of the world. To want to rule and say, well, if you don't play my way, I won't play, I'll quit. That's the world. To want to get credit. To be something. And the Bible says, if a man professes himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. This, then, is the message that the Lord Jesus Christ is giving forth uh, right after that which we saw last Sunday where he sets up the horror of ecclesiasticism and formality and says that this must be struck and broken down and that men may understand the in must understand the inward spiritual realities. When his own disciples don't understand it, he said, Are you so stupid and dull and without understanding also? Revise your whole outlook. Do not think that sin comes from outside contacts. The poison spring is here in your own heart. Sometimes when I am suddenly called upon to speak to very small children, I tell them the story that I learned in <coughs> France of a little Swiss boy. His nickname was Didi. And Didi was at home in his home in Switzerland one day and his mother had been making jam. 
And she made 20 or 30 pots of jam and put it up to cool. And she had to go out. She said, Dee Dee, don't you touch the jam. He said, no, mother. And she went on outside. And after a while, he got a chair and went over and he reached up and he put his finger in one of the pots of jam and licked it off. And he was smart enough to put his finger in the next and the next and the next and not take too much out of any one. And all of a sudden, he heard his mother coming home and he quickly slipped down off the chair and went over in the corner and was playing very far away from this. His mother came back and said, Didi, yes, mother. Did you disobey mother? He said, no, mother. And she just kept looking at him. He looked at her eyes. Then he looked at her nose. Then he looked at her chin. And then he looked at the little jewel she had at her neck. Then she, he looked at her belt buckle. Then he looked at the bottom of her skirt. Then he looked at her shoes. And then he looked at the ground. Then he looked at his own shoes. And all of a sudden he saw a great big spot of jam right here. <laughs> and believe me, dear friends, that's where the source of your conviction is right there. If you just stop looking around, look up. I've told you this very childish story, but you're not going to forget it. If you want to know what's wrong, look there, right there. That's where the spot is. And you don't need an x-ray. God has one built inside of you. You know. All right, says God. Recognize the source of the evil, and then you can know the nature of the cure. There must be diagnosis before there can be cure. And God says... Diagnose. This is the wrong. It's the human heart. It's not the world and it's not the collectivity of man and it's not the devil. It's the individual. And what God wants, first of all, is that you be right with him. And that comes through the cross and the surrender to him and the domination of your life by the Lord Jesus Christ, Savior and Lord. Shall we bow in prayer? Our God and Father, we thank Thee for Thy graciousness to us. How wonderful. May we indeed be willing to look down and see ourselves as Thou dost see it. And accept Thy verdict. And turn away in horror from what we see in ourselves forevermore fix our gaze upon the Lord Jesus Christ and recognize that in him is our salvation and all that we need. We give thee the praise forever through him. Amen. You've been listening to Donald Gray Barnhouse. Listen to Faith of Our Fathers each Saturday and Sunday to hear more great 20th century preachers.